Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hesline. Hey Meredith, a lot to talk about today on the podcast. I'm excited. I know. In particular, do you realize what next week is? Oh, is there like college football happening or something? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. Uh, in fact, we have uh, college football, Illinois, Nebraska, um, kicking off as the first game of the season um, this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, two teams that we're not super excited to watch, but hey, they're from the Big Ten. I, we'll root for them. I mean, and I'll, it's college football. Like, I'll watch any game. I'm super stoked. Yeah, I I do not care that they are both garbage. No offense (laughs) in Nebraska and Illinois. Um, But certainly uh, lots to look forward to. Um, We're going to talk more later on in the show about the full Labor Day weekend slate that we have, which features some amazing teams and amazing matchups. Before we get into that, we have some more news from Tokyo with the Paralympics, which began, we're recording on Tuesday, they kicked off today. Yeah, so there's been a lot to watch so far, but in particular, I want to talk about Jessica Long. You know, I feel like we've all seen her commercial, all cried about it. And if you haven't heard of her, she's a 13-time Paralympic gold medalist swimmer, and she's just so inspirational. I love her. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I just, I do love that we were getting primed for the Paralympics, uh, during the Olympics, um, because watching her inspirational story and learning more about Jessica, um, I think we are all very much in her corner. But, you know, in addition, in addition, excuse me, to Jessica in the water, we also have Anastasia Pagonis, who is uh, one of the younger members of Team USA heading to Tokyo this year. Yeah, her story is absolutely crazy, too. She's only 17 years old. So that's just crazy, first off. And second, she lost her sight when she was younger. And then she decided to jump back in the pool and try and keep going. And now she is a Paralympian. So she's going to try and get her first gold medal this year. So I'm so, so excited for her, and I'm definitely rooting for her. Yep. 
And then on the track, we have David Brown, who's widely credited as the fastest blind man in the world. Um, he is certainly looking to medal this year as well. Yeah, his story is absolutely amazing, too. I mean, he's won so many medals in the past. And yeah, he is credited as being the fastest blind man. So let's see if he can do it again this year. But he's going to have a new guide because his old guide has suffered an injury. So hopefully the new one still works out with him well. Oh, man. Um, obviously wishing all the best uh, for his former guide. Um, and speaking of guides, uh, there was some controversy this year heading into the Paralympics. Um with some guides and some helpers not being able to attend uh, with athletes, um, obviously due to COVID restrictions and the goal of keeping general attendance down in Tokyo this year as COVID is surging. Yeah, it definitely is a tough situation because you do want to keep everyone safe from the virus. But at the same time, these athletes do need their guides there in order to feel comfortable and safe for themselves in order to compete well in their sport. So Definitely a tough situation, but hopefully they still find a way to compete and do well. Certainly. Um, there were a number of athletes who were forced to withdraw as a result of not having their guides present. Um, but certainly, um, you know, cheering on Team USA and wishing the aforementioned athletes um, and all of the athletes who are competing uh, all of the best here in the Paralympics in the next couple of weeks. Um, in other news, uh, because it is summer, we do have the Little League World Series underway in Omaha. Um, Megan, are you like as excited about the Little League World Series as you are about baseball? Oh my gosh, yes. The Little League World Series is one of my favorite I guess I events say to Major watch. Major League Baseball, but <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorite events to watch. You know, I heard on Sports Center someone said that this is baseball in its purest form. And I think that's so accurate because these kids are really just playing for the love of the game and it definitely shows and it's just a dream come true for all of them. So I just love watching it. Yeah. Um, of particular interest for our show uh, is the story of Ella Brinning, who became just the third girl ever to record multiple hits in a Little League World Series game. Yeah. I mean, she can get it done everywhere. Offensively, she pitches, she catches. She's just an inspiration to girls everywhere. And I loved listening to her talk, too, in the interviews. She's just so excited and just happy to be there. So definitely making history, and I'm rooting for her for sure. Yep. Um, and Ella is just the 20th girl to ever play in a Little League World Series game. And she is following in the footsteps of Monet Davis, who famously played uh, several years ago back in 20. Actually, it's been since 2014 since Monet played, um, but uh, certainly uh, a growing legacy of girls who are playing in the Little League World Series and obviously having impact for their team. Um, so certainly huge kudos to Ella for making it big on such a big stage. Um, but, you know, of course, as the Little League World Series is winding down and with the end of summer, we are officially in football season. I cannot wait. This is the best time of the year. And we just have a little over a week until Ohio State opens up on Thursday, next Thursday. So I just I'm so excited for this weekend. I'll I'll watch freaking Nebraska play. I don't care. Like <laughs> I just want to watch some college football. Oh, I think we are all game for it. The fact that I've been glued to the television for preseason football, I think, is indicative of how thirsty <laughs> we are. Um, but no, this really is the most wonderful time of the year. I will, you know, hold to that with the exception of, well, okay, 
with every four years with the Olympics, that's pretty great. But um, between Labor Day and bowl season, you know, we have some pretty amazing periods of time that really center on college football, I suppose. Uh, Labor Day weekend happens to be my husband's birthday. um, And with college football opening weekend, it is just a wonderful weekend all around. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good weekend to me. Especially for him. Yeah. Celebrate his birthday and then watch some college football. Sounds perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's September, which is also the best month. You know, we're just just getting all of the good things going. Um, But in particular, uh, you know, looking at Ohio State this year, we did have some news coming out of the football program uh, to the surprise of absolutely no one. CJ Stroud was named the starting quarterback um, and all talk of potentially having Quinn Ewers be uh, the starting quarterback heading into 2021 was swiftly swept aside. Yeah. People really loved speculating this year. I feel like deep down, we all knew that Stroud was going to start, but we just love making up stuff. So we were thinking maybe Quinn Ewers would you know, be the starter, but definitely was not the case. Um, I think Coach Day just wanted to keep the competition there in practices and make sure they all just worked hard and tried their best. But yeah, I feel like deep down, we all knew that Stroud was going to be the starter. For sure. And I'm going to skip ahead in the show notes just a minute, because uh, when we looked at our offensive players to watch, um, you and I both selected folks that Stroud would be tossing to this year. Yeah, so we both picked some receivers. I chose Jackson Smith and Jigba because he had an amazing freshman season last year. I mean, he was one of the main receivers on the team, obviously, besides Olave and Wilson. But I think he'll get even more time playing this year, and he'll definitely come back probably even better than last year with now a year under his belt. Definitely. He is currently listed as the number three receiver behind, as you said, Olave and Wilson. Um, I picked Wilson, or sorry, excuse me. I picked Olave. <laughs> I mean, Wilson's going to be great too. Of course. Uh, but Chris Olave has, uh, you know, been a part of this team for what feels like forever now. He is one of the returning veterans. Um, and I am looking forward to seeing what he is able to do for CJ Stroud, stepping into that starting role for the first time um, and having, you know, in this case, not just Olave, but also Wilson, to be able to throw to um, two extremely reliable receivers uh, on his offense. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that Stroud is two of the top receivers in the country to throw to, stepping into his first season as a starter. So definitely, definitely a good start for him. Yeah, and I mean, in a normal year, Chris Olave would have been a top or a first round draft pick um at the receiver position obviously this year there were an embarrassment of riches at receiver uh taken in the first round of the draft um so you know a smart decision I think for Olave to come back um selfishly I'm excited to watch him play for another year um but yeah uh super uh excited to see what he's able to do I'm predicting I think uh Jackson is gonna have a great season Uh, I do believe that Olave is probably going to come away with you know the top receiving honors of the year I mean yeah he might just break the record for you know for your touchdown receptions but you know Smith and Jigba will have a good year too yeah and he's gonna probably break all of those records next year um (laughs) but uh you know looking on the other side of the ball in terms of defensive players to watch um we've got a couple great we've got two captains uh that we both picked actually 
Yeah, so I went with Haskell Garrett. He's just been an anchor on this defensive line uh, for the past four years because he came back um, for his fifth year. He took advantage of the COVID year. And he's just been – he had an amazing year last year. I mean, did we forget that he literally got shot in the face the summer prior no, to the no season? No one forgets. That's- I mean – he didn't miss a single game, like, yeah, and he just had wild. his best season of his career. So I'm sure he'll come back even better this year. And now that he's named a captain, he'll probably take on a bigger leadership role. So I'm just excited to see what he can do this year. Definitely. Um, I'm certainly looking at Zach Harrison, a co-captain of Haskell Garrett. Um, Ohio State has really created this legacy at the defensive end position. Zach Harrison was one of the most highly touted recruits in his class. Uh, got to line up behind some of the greatest, you know, defensive ends of the age at Ohio State. Um, and certainly looking to make a name for himself this year as well. Um, but looking, you know, at these two, we might as well talk about the rest of the team captains for Ohio State. And Megan, I know you wrote a column about this earlier. Yeah, I actually just did. It was posted today. Um, but they're just such good, feel-good stories. I mean, all six of them, it's actually the first time in, uh, I believe, seven years that we've had six captains named. Usually it's seven, and they're all brand new. You know, we don't have any returning captains this year, so that'll be interesting to see how they are. But So we have Olave, um, Haskell Garrett, and then we have Cameron Babb, who has torn his ACL three times. I just feel so bad for him. Like, that's just awful. And then, that's, yeah, yeah, that's just, the resilience he's shown is just, it obviously speaks volumes to his teammates if they chose him to be a captain. So kudos to him. And then we got Zach Harrison, like you said. So next we have Taraja Mitchell, and he's just been really going through a tough time. He just lost his big brother um, just recently. And so being named captain was some good uplifting news for his family uh, I think he'll have a breakout season as well. You know, he's done well on special teams the past few years, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Of course, we have Thayer Munford. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the Big Ten and in the country. He's had a lot of experience, so he's also a super senior. So I'm sure he'll have a great last year. Definitely. Um, in particular, uh, yes, calling out there, Munford. Uh, he's been on some amazing offensive lines for Ohio State, as you mentioned, a super senior from Cincinnati. Um, and so excited to see what his prospects are heading into the NFL draft. He's already thought to be a pretty high pick at offensive tackle. Um, so certainly looking forward uh, to his final season in Columbus. Yeah, definitely going to miss him next year. So hopefully is one. It's good that he's there for CJ Stroud's first season, too. So I'm sure that's comforting to him. That you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, as much as we're going to miss him heading into next year, I keep thinking I'm going to miss all of the offensive linemen and then we just keep reloading. I miss them personally. Exactly. But, you build, you know, you build our, emotional connections to them. But yes. then new players come in and you build more connections. So it's just like a never-ending cycle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the good news is, from a performance perspective, the offensive line does not miss a beat. Um, but yeah, uh, congrats to all of those captains. 
um, all six players, uh, very exciting for them. Um, but looking ahead, so last week we got to briefly preview Ohio State's schedule, but Megan, I have to ask, obviously not Illinois, Nebraska, um, but what early games do you have circled on your calendar uh, for college football opening weekend? So I know there are some Big Ten teams playing this weekend, and I should be rooting for them and watching them. But there's some more exciting games happening. In particular, um, I'm looking forward to Clemson and facing Georgia. You know, DJ Uyunglele, I, I think that's how you say his name. It's a struggle. But I'm excited to see him play uh, starting for his first season. You know, he had that one great game last year when Trevor Lawrence was out. So I'm super excited to see how he does in his first game. And then we also have Alabama versus Miami. And I think this is my biggest game of the weekend that I'm excited to see. Um, Jarek King coming back from an injury for the Hurricanes. And then Bryce Young getting the start for Alabama. A totally new Alabama team. So I'm just so curious to see how this is going to go this weekend. I can't wait. So part of me, like, I want to be excited about Alabama-Miami. But part of me is also like, I'm confident that Alabama is just going to destroy Miami, even with an entirely new team, uh, as you alluded to. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'll be surprised. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. um, totally with you on Georgia Clemson, though. Uh, I feel like Clemson gained a whole bunch of new fans in the last few weeks. Um, thinking about, in particular, uh, this will be the first big uh non-conference matchup since the SEC sort of moved into its super conference status. Um, and since we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten um, have formed an alliance. Um, and so I feel like there's going to be a lot of Pac-12, Big Ten, and other ACC folks cheering on the Tigers. It's also a lot easier to cheer for Clemson since we destroyed them in January. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we can root for them all we want because when we face them again, we'll just beat them. So we have we have yeah. rain over them right now. So, yeah, I'll, I'll root for them. Oh, so true. Um, but we do have a couple uh, pretty intriguing Big Ten matchups. Uh, so the Big Ten, they don't do it every year, but uh, this year most Big Ten schools are opening against other Big Ten opponents. Um, and we do have two matchup, matchups between ranked Big Ten teams. Uh, we've got Iowa versus Indiana and Penn State versus Wisconsin. Uh, so certainly two, like, two pretty good Big Ten games to kick off with. Um, and then moving outside of the conference, uh, just kind of my bonus game is Boise State UCF, sort of this battle of the two, you know, non-Power 5 powers who have <laughs> continued to hang around uh, year in and year out. So, Yeah, Boise State UCF should be an interesting one. I mean, UCF really thinks that they can beat Alabama. I don't know if that's true, but they're always <laughs> confident in themselves, so it should be a good one against Boise State. Hey, they beat Auburn that one time. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's certainly going to be a lit opening weekend. Um, we will have more news coming from the college football universe after the break, so stay with us. to talk 
talk about some pretty major changes to the college football landscape a few weeks ago. Now, uh, as we alluded to before the break, those changes have been solidified with Texas and Oklahoma officially making the move to the SEC. But wait, there's more. Um, that's because the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 are officially forming an alliance. And Megan, I cannot stop laughing about this every single time I see it because I just think of The Office every time. It's just, it's such a joke. Like, it's so funny to me as well because, like, it's kind of childish when you think about it. I mean, to or the SEC forms their own power conference and now these three conferences feel the need to fight back. But then they leave out the Big 12. So it's just, it's a funny situation, I think. I mean, it's certainly like calling out the Big 12 for what it is without Texas and Oklahoma, which is pretty much nothing. Not not good. Not helpful (laughs) in terms of media rights, not helpful in terms of, you know, bustling metropolises that, uh, you know, these three conferences can capitalize on. But uh, what was really interesting is kind of throughout these alliance talks, it's not just talks about scheduling. It's also kind of this Uh, there was this ongoing discussion about alignment, about what college football should be and governance issues, um, as well as sort of this broader perspective um, that the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 all aligned on in terms of more sports that go really beyond college football. So uh, in terms of some of these governance issues, um, it's interesting because I'll get the numbers wrong, but the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC actually have significantly more varsity sports than the SEC. Um, And so what is interesting about this alliance is how it goes beyond college football. It's recognizing that other sports have a place uh, for these schools and that there are governance issues at play uh, that all of these conferences are coming together to support. Um, Also, you know, there is the added bonus of scheduling and having pretty cool cross conference matchups uh, between the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 year in and year out. Yeah, that should definitely be one of the more interesting parts of it. You know, maybe we'll see an Ohio State-Clemson matchup. I mean, who knows? We should get some pretty good games out of it. I mean, if we can get anything in college football like we get with the Big Ten ACC Challenge in college basketball, can you imagine what that would do to ratings? Oh, they would totally skyrocket, and I would just be 10 times happier personally as well. So hopefully that can happen soon. Yeah, Um, so certainly things to look forward to, and I don't know about you, Megan. We can say that it was childish to change the college football landscape, you know, just a few weeks before the season when we were all just pretty stoked for it to start. Um, I do think that the Big Big Ten came out Uh, on the better side of all of this. Oh, I agree. I mean, especially last year with all the disaster we went through with the COVID rules and everything. I mean, this is a total 180 from last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Oh yeah. Um, And on that note, even with all of these impending changes in the college football world, we also have some weirdness on our plate this year because COVID is still raging nationwide. Um, And with that, all the Power Five conferences, uh, if we relate on governance issues or not, uh, have announced some version of a forfeiture policy for teams that have to miss games due to COVID. Yeah. So this is interesting um, for the Big Ten, I guess. If you have to miss a game due to COVID, it's just a loss automatically. So that's definitely 
an incentive to make sure that their players are staying safe and staying healthy. And if we're talking close to home, Ohio State actually just released a statement today where all students and faculty and staff must get the vaccine. So I think a lot of schools are going to follow suit with this. I know Michigan did earlier today as well. So I think I think football actually has a large factor in that decision because we want to keep our football team playing on the field. I mean, obviously we want to keep everyone safe, but we got to get those football teams on the field and we don't want them having to forfeit any games. Yeah. And it seems like every hour I get a new notification of either a college or professional team that's announcing vaccine mandates or mask mandates for uh, their games, even Clemson, Georgia, uh, regardless of vaccination status, uh, the game is requiring all fans to wear masks to the game. Oh, really? I didn't see that. I mean, I know at Ohio State, you don't have to as of now, but we still have a couple weeks away from the home opener. So we'll see if that changes. <laughs> there's still time for, <laughs> for things to happen. Um, and I don't think there's been a two-week period in the last year and a half where the situation has not evolved. <laughs> right. Uh, certainly, yep, uh, just craziness. And speaking of craziness, um, in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars this isn't crazy at all. Everyone expected it. Uh, they lost their second preseason game uh, on Monday night. Um, in fact, while I was writing this in the show notes, there were 16 seconds left in the first half. So that's how little faith I had in the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> making a comeback. Um, anyway, they looked truly, truly awful. And at one point near the end of the first half, probably when I made this note, um, the camera pointed directly at Urban Meyer. And I swear it looked like the moment that he realized he was fully in over his head as a first year NFL head coach. Um, so Megan, I have two questions for you. Number one, how bad will the Jaguars be in 2021? And number two, will Urban Meyer manage to make it as an NFL head coach? Yeah, the Jags are not going to be good this year, I don't think. I mean, they just lost their running back, Travis Etienne. He's actually out for the season because of a foot injury. So that's a huge loss for them. Um, someone that Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure, is very upset that he's not going to have right next to him. But the Jags are just not not looking good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's doing he's doing pretty well, you know, to be expected. He is the number one overall pick, but... Otherwise, he doesn't have that much help. And to answer your second question, I think Urban is not really helping things. I mean, I just don't know if he's cut out to be an NFL coach. You know, he's so successful at the college level, but part of that success came from the fact that he could recruit. And obviously, you can't just recruit all these five-star players to be on your team, especially when they're the worst team in the league. So... I don't know if he's going to make it. I'm going to give him, I'll give him two years and then we'll see from there. I mean, maybe Trevor Lawrence could save his job. So we'll really just have to see how Trevor Lawrence plays. The irony of that is not lost. Um, <laughs> however, yeah, I, I agree. I think two years is probably right. Um, and it feels like a testament to how successful Urban was in college that it seems like he's not adjusting his style at all to the pros. Um, it feels like we sort of consistently see these reports out of Jacksonville, um, especially now with the preseason, about how different Urban is running his practices. Um, we saw it earlier this spring with how he ran free agency for Jacksonville, um, how he selected his coaching staff even. 
Uh, and it feels like, you know, if he were able to do that and come out and, you know, heck, the regular season hasn't started yet. Maybe he's keeping all his tricks in a bag. But uh, it certainly feels like he's not doing things in a way that can be successful in the NFL. Right. It seems like he still has that college mindset. And, you know, I'm rooting for him. Obviously, we all are. But I just don't know if he can make that transition to the pros and be successful. Yeah. I mean, you can count basically all of his losses on two hands, right? So it <laughs> he's just not a person who's used to losing and used to things not uh, being as successful as he expects them to be. Um, but anyway, uh, certainly lots of former Buckeyes on the Jags. Um, so cheering for all of them this year and hoping for the best and certainly um, hoping for the best for Travis Etienne. Um, it's always very tragic when we you know, see players go down for a season in the preseason. Um, we also saw that with AJ McCarron this weekend. Um, so wishing for speedy recoveries for all of those players. Um, before we, that's all we have for today. Uh, before we wrap this up the show, Megan, uh, shall we do our end of show shout outs? Yep. You know, I'm going to shout out my Yankees. They're just absolutely thriving right now. I'm going to take credit for it because ever since I saw them in New York last week, they haven't lost. As of right now, they're on a 10-game win streak, so I hope they just keep it going. They're looking amazing, so I'm very happy. So I actually, uh, I thought of you when I heard this. Did I hear that they've broken the streak for the number of consecutive 10-game win streaks they've had in a season? Oh, yeah. We're just we're It was just something bananas, yeah. Yep. I'm not surprised. I mean, we're just the greatest baseball franchise in history. So just another record broken, you know, nothing new. Well, well, sure. And uh, kudos to you, Megan, for uh, anchoring this most recent <laughs> win streak for the Yankees. Um, I'm actually going to shout out uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they became the first NFL team to reach 100% vaccination among their players, um, which is very cool. Uh, so kudos to the organization and to the players for making that happen. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, as all of this craziness continues to go on around us, um, they uh, certainly did their part to make sure that their players are able to stay safe. Yeah, good for them. I mean, now they won't have to forfeit any games due to COVID. So that's always a plus. So hopefully they will be a role model to other teams around the league. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and Hey, uh, fun fact for NFL players. Um, I know that this is apparently controversial, but, uh, if you get vaccinated, you get to get tested less. So yeah, I mean, that's a plus. You don't have to get a Q-tip shoved up your nose. That's always nice. Yeah. It's, it's pretty unpleasant. <laughs> um, anyway, we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustlein, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at Landgrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.